this time we're going to run, just run a special video that's going to talk to us about the gift that Jesus was to us, and then I will get up and preach from pretty much the same type of subject. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Long ago, in a world plagued with darkness, hardship, and fear, people wondered if there would ever be hope. Long ago, a people who had seen the miracles of a vast, mighty, powerful God began to question whether this same God had forgotten about them. They began to lose hope. Have you ever felt forgotten? Have you ever lost hope? You are not alone. But one day, everything changed when a heavenly visitor found a young woman and said to her, Do not be afraid. God is with you. I am here to bring you hope. You are with child, and this child that you carry is no ordinary baby. He is the Messiah, the Son of the Most High. He is our hope. Mary began to worship, to cry out, to sing, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my Savior. She sang, she worshiped, she praised God, not in the absence of hardship, but in the midst of it. Because even in our hardest days, God is our light. He is our peace. He is the steady in our unsteady. He is the constant in our confusion. He is the true joy in our sorrow. He is our hope. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. Mary thinks, why has God shown up and spoken to me? Why would God choose someone like me? People of all generations are now going to know about me? Because God is the God for all people, in all places, from all backgrounds. Mary says God has done great things for her, things only God could do, things that could only come from God. And this God is holy. He is special. He is set apart. He is unlike any other God. Our God comes close to the broken, the lowly, the person who's been counted out, the outcast. Our God comes to us no matter our past, no matter our present circumstances, no matter what our future may look like. Is that you? Do you need a God who brings hope? His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. 
Our God is a merciful God, not because we earned it, not because we deserve it. It is a gift. And God hasn't been like this for just a minute. He's always been this way, the past, the present, and the future. He is a God who performs mighty deeds, miracles. There is no sin he can't overcome. There's no challenge he can't solve. There's no pain he can't comfort. There is nothing that surprises him. He knows all and is all. God is close to the humble, those of us who know we need him. He brings down authorities and rulers who use their power to mistreat people. And he's pushed away by those who are too prideful or too rich to need God. Is that you? Do you think you don't need God? Do you think you're fine without him? Or are you hungry for God? Do you need God? Whether you are far from God or close to God, you are just right for God. You are ready to hear from God. You are ready to be seen by God. You are ready to be heard by God. You are ready to be healed by God. You are ready for hope. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God is a God who has always kept his promises. He keeps his promises now, and he will forever keep them. The Gospel writer John says, The Word became flesh, God in human form, fully God and fully human. God as a little baby, born in a manger, in a place where the animals ate. No diamond-encrusted crib, no gold-plated pacifier, no crown upon his head, nah. All Jesus needed was the powerful presence and anointing of God. Jesus' life may have started in a hopeless wooden manger, temporarily stopped on a lonely wooden cross, but it ended with him early on a Sunday morning, getting up with all power in his hands and walking out of an empty grave. That means you are never without hope and never beyond hope. The reason you can have hope today it's because hope showed up one day, and this hope has a name, the name that's above every name, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, king of kings, lord of lords, our defender, our healer, our savior, our gracious king, Jesus Christ. He is our hope. Amen. Come on, let's praise God again for that. He is our hope. There's nobody like our Savior. There's nobody like our Master. Nobody compares to Him. And if there's any time we can celebrate the greatness of our God, we should be the first people to jump up to celebrate our God. Amen. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Gracious Father, we praise you for who you are and who you mean to us personally and individually. God, we thank you for the relationship that each one of us have with you, God. You are our Savior, and we are the manger, and yet you've come and you've lied down inside of us, but you don't stay as just a baby in the manger. You're the lion of the tribe of Judah in our hearts. And God, I'm praying that you would cause me to speak this word of God with truth, power, and understanding. Hide me beneath the cross. Think through my mind. Speak through my mouth, God. I thank you that revelation knowledge will flow freely, uninterrupted, and unhindered by any satanic or demonic forces, God. The word of God will go forth. It will pierce the ears and the hearts of the listeners. And he that hath an ear will hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name, and let everybody shout, amen and amen. Come on with your Bibles in your hands. Praise the Lord. And just repeat after me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love, 
by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, feed me this word. Come on, put your hands together this morning. Amen. And just, oh, just a little bit, one more time, just to shake the dust off, make some noise in here. Hallelujah. Amen. Because God is worthy. He's a worthy God. He, I often say he's the matchless, wonderful God. It means that he has nobody that compares to him. Searched all over. Couldn't find nobody. I looked high and I looked low and I still couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater Nobody greater than you. Amen. John 4, 9, we're going to pull that up. I'll, I'll read the first two verses. But John 4, 9 says this. The Samaritan woman said to him, so this is the story of Jesus with the woman at the well, says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That brings me to the title for today. The title is simply this, The Gift. Somebody say it. Say The Gift. gift. One more time, The Gift. And I'm going to say it for a final time, The Gift. Not a gift, but the gift. The gift of all gifts. The gift that is Jesus Christ the righteous. Let's put this definition up. Of gift, it is a thing given willingly to someone without a payment or it's a present. I'll say it again a thing given willingly to someone without payment, a present. Give us some synonyms, and then I'm gonna have Mother Mitchell read that 10th verse again. Here's some synonyms present, donation. Offering, contribution, charity, bonus, award, favor, inheritance, grant, endowment, gratuity. Let me do it again. Present. Gift can be a present, a donation, an offering, a contribution, charity, bonus, award, favor, inheritance, grant, endowment, gratuity. Would you bring verse 10 back up again? And what we're going to do, I'm going to read this verse three different times. I already read it once. This is going to be the second time, and we're going to pick it up for a third time. And I'm going to try to show you what God is telling me through that verse. So as you bring it up, I'm going to have Mother Mitchell read it, verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. All right, would you just make it solid real quick? I, I, I do want to point out s- something. I, I underline that in this particular verse, we have the idea of gift and given is in there three different times. There's the gift of God, there's give me a drink, and then there is given you living water. And so I looked at the Greek of those words, and I want to give you that. I'm going to put that up on the screen as well. It says Greek gift. And here's the two words that that are in that verse. One is doria, and one is didomi. And the root word is didomi or didomi. So doria and didomi. And here's what it is. It refers to a free gift 
and emphasizes the, the gratuitous character of the gift. Doria describes that which is given or transferred freely by one person to another. It is something bestowed freely without price or compensation. Let, let me pause and, and talk about this just for a moment. I think you would all kind of understand this. The, the problem with the Christmas season is that the gifts that are given sometimes come with internal obligation, not not commanded obligation, but an internal obligation. Let's be honest. Christmas comes with a little bit of pressure because if you bought me a gift and I didn't buy you a gift, I'm going to feel some kind of way. Now, a gift is supposed to be free, no strings attached, but you know how us folk can get. If I gave you something for $50 and you bought me something for $400, all year you're going to feel some kind of way. Because it's gift giving, but there's strings attached. And it's just natural. It's just human. It's just, just wondering. And let me not even talk about Christmas. Let me just say it this way. If, if Teresa invites me to her birthday party, when it becomes my birthday, I feel obligated to invite her to my party. Maybe I want her there and maybe I don't. But it's just the pressure of obligation. I'm giving, but I'm giving with strings attached. I'm giving, but I'm giving with pressure. Oh, man, I forgot Uncle so-and-so. Man, Uncle so-and-so bought all my kids presents last year. Dang, I can't, I, I, I can't not get him something. I'm not necessarily giving out of the goodness of my heart. I'm giving from pressure and obligation, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. That's our human experience. But what I want to point out to you is that God, when he gives, he gives from that Greek word that there is no payment. There is no price. There is no expectation. God is not demanding anything from you. God is not obligating anything from you. When he gave you the gift that was Jesus, when he gave the world the gift that was Jesus, it was no strings attached. Here's the problem. The reason why many people missed Jesus when he came is because everything that was in the law was strings attached. You do this and you'll get this. But Jesus was a gift that says all you have to do is receive because he wasn't a gift. He was the gift. He was the gift of all gifts from the giver of all givers. And there is no strings attached. It is actually a free gift. It is actually a gift that you didn't deserve. Let me, let, me, let me talk about obligation again and expectation and pressure. The pressure builds when you get a gift that you know you don't deserve. It, it's one thing for me to give Joyce something and Joyce to give me something and it's an even exchange. But it's one thing when I done slap Joyce in the face and she still gives me a gift. That, 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 that There's something different about that. That's a different level of love. And what I need you to understand is that God gave you a gift when you weren't worth a dime, when you didn't deserve it, when, when you spit in his face and you, you sinned all night long. He still sent the gift because he gave it from his love. And there's nothing you can do to trigger the gift. There's nothing you can do to make yourself worthy of the gift. And in church, sometimes we talk people wrong. We make people have to feel like they got to live up to the gift. No, the gift is absolutely free. There's no strings attached. So what I need to tell you is with your addicted self, come on and get the gift. With your bitter self, come on and get the gift. With your ugly acting self, come on and get the gift. With your messed up, jacked up self, come on and get the gift. Stop telling the world you got to jump through hoops to get the gift. It is F-R-E-E. -E. It is free. It is free. It is free. 
But what I need you to understand, free for somebody else costs somebody. Free is never really free. Free always comes with a cost. It may be free to you, but it costs somebody. And the gift was the one that it cost. It cost God his son. And it cost the son his life. But I'm here to let you know because of the love of the father. And because of the gift of the son. And because of the cross of Jesus Christ. You have a free gift in your life. And if anybody ought to celebrate the gift. It ought to be church folk. It ought to be born again believers. It ought to be blood bathed, blood washed believers. We ought to be the first to be happy. We ought to be the first to praise God. We ought to be the first to understand that the gift was for me. And the gift was for you. Now I understand life sometimes beats us up. And sometimes makes us feel like we want to quit and we want to give up, but I can't stand no dead, sorry, sucking on lemons church. Because that's a church that doesn't understand the free gift of righteousness, the free gift of the blood of Jesus, the free gift of the Son. The video said it was the hope of all nations. Do you understand? You have the answer. Get happy about what you have. You can't get happy about what you have if you don't know what you have. Maybe you don't know what you have, but I know what I have. I, I know what I have. That's why the song, the, the, the singers used to say, everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. He's the lily of the valley. And he's the bright and morning star. Everybody ought to know. But the problem is sometimes we the last folk to know. And we should know. Let's, let, 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 let me give you, I'm, I'm going to take us to two passages of scripture. I'm going to split it up, but it comes from the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah was looking into prophetically the day that Jesus would come. And he wrote some, some things that I think are powerful. First, we're going to go toward the end of Isaiah, Isaiah 55. Would you read Isaiah 55 and 1? Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. He was speaking about this era of the free gift. Come on and get what belongs to you. But you don't have to bring any money. And to you church folk, you don't have to bring any works. You don't, you don't have to work your way up for this. You, you can come and take part of it. You can get it. it, it it's free to you because somebody already paid the price. Let's look at verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight. In the riches of he was faith. talking to them in a positive way. He said, listen, listen, there's coming a day where you can enjoy the free favor of God. He wasn't talking about literal food because the scripture says, he do hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. He's talking about there's a day coming where your deepest, darkest desires can be met by a gift that is absolutely free. Now, now, let's just talk about life for just a second. When we look at life, let me come down here for a second. When we look at, at life, life has a way of making us feel like the very next best thing is what's going to make us happy. The new car going to make us happy. The new house going to make us happy. Eating at Ruth Quist is going to make us happy. But all those things, they pass so quickly. The new car smell wears off. The new house wears off. The, the vacation just becomes a memory. The steak, after a while, you ate it and it's over. And at the end of the day, everything in this life is just futile. I don't care how special it is. When they tell you, oh, you got to get the latest Jordans. When you put them on, they're just shoes. You got to get the mink fur. When you put it on, it's just a coat. Oh, you got to drive a Rolls Royce, but when you ride in it, it's just a car. At the end of the day, life is just life. But there is one thing that can satisfy the soul, and it's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 
I've had money in my pocket and I've had no money in my pocket and I've had Jesus and I still felt good with money and I felt good without money because I had Jesus in my soul. Now, did I feel better with money? I sure did. But at the end of the day, money is just money. And money can only buy money things. There's some stuff money just can't buy. I know some folk that wish they could find love, but money can't buy love. And money can't buy happiness. And money can't buy a relationship with Jesus. You need that down in your soul. And what Isaiah was saying, there's coming a time where something's going to happen and it's going to be a free gift. Let's continue to read. Verse 3. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. That your what? Soul, soul may, live. may live. Read. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. He said, I, Isaiah was prophesying, there's coming something that's going to be for your soul. It's going to be something that's, that, that's deep inside of you. you. Have you ever had joy that you couldn't explain? Have you ever had peace that you couldn't explain? Have you ever had a, a sense of confidence that you couldn't explain? I've been in places where I shouldn't be confident because I didn't know what I was doing, but down on the inside. I had something here on the inside. It was God in my soul. And I'm here to let you know, saints, there's people who are shooting up for what we have. There are people overdosing for what we have. And what we have is in our soul, online audience. There's people who are giving up everything for what we have. And sometimes we forget what we have. And it's absolutely free. Free. And I wish we could tell the world, go and tell somebody. But we can't tell what we don't understand. You have to understand what you have is important. I'm not saying you haven't had rough times in your life. I have, I'm not saying that every time in God is all hunky-dory. I understand more than anybody that we all go through a bunch of bad times. But here's the thing. I would rather have bad times with Jesus than bad times without him. I would rather go through hell with him than go through hell without him. I'm so glad I know the Savior. So glad I know the Savior. Let's, let's go to verse four, uh, 6. And so... so here, I'm switching from Isaiah 55, and I'm going to go back up in Isaiah to Isaiah 9 and read what it says in Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called... I'm going to stop you right there and go ahead and put the camera on me. Let me just say before I have you go into that. The, the government shall be on his shoulder. So that's why I don't really care whether you're Democrat or Republican. My hope is not in the donkey and my hope is not in the elephant. My hope is in the lion of the tribe of Judah. That he, The government shall be on his shoulders. I, I won't trust the Trump and I won't trust the Biden. I'm trusting in God because God's the one that woke me up this morning and started me on my way. I know who I serve. I, I know who got me through the hard time. It wasn't the Democrats. It wasn't the Republicans. It was God that did it for me. And God that did it for you. You should have been crazy. You, you should have been in the nut house, as they say. You should have lost your mind. But it was God in the midnight hour. It was God in the noonday. It was God in the morning. It was God that kept you together. The government shall be on his shoulders. For unto us a child is born. But not just a child. Unto us a son was given. He was a gift. He was a gift. For you and I. Now, now, here's something that you all need to understand. If every single one of you in here was absolutely perfect, and everybody outside of here was absolutely perfect, and I was the only sinner in the place, Jesus still would have came just for me. So what I understand, that's beautiful to, to feel, but what I understand is my sins alone put them on the cross. 
My sins alone brought him in the manger. So listen, y'all can play with him if you want to, but I'm so glad he came because I needed him. I need him on a Monday, and I need him on a Tuesday, and I need him on a Wednesday and a Thursday, and a Friday and a Saturday, and once again on a Sunday because I need the Lord. I need thee all. I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I, I come to thee. But here's the thing. He came to me first. All right, let's, let's, let's go back to verse 6, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And when you read this next part, I'm going to repeat it after you. So, so read it slow so it can seek in. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful. Counselor. Counselor. The mighty God. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. The everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Let me talk to the online folks. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. Let, read it again, Mother Mitchell. Let me talk to them. For unto us a child is Come born, on. unto us a son is given, mm -hmm. and the government shall be upon his shoulder. What's his name? And his name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful. Counselor. Counselor. The mighty God. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. The everlasting Father. The Prince of the Peace. The Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. And it all was free. The gift. The gift of all gifts. Gift, the gift, the gift, the gift, the gift, the gift. Let's look at verse seven. My goodness. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. No end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, wow. even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts We'll perform we'll this. We'll perform this. And just, just remember that we're reading, we're reading something that was prophesied. We already know what happened. But they didn't quite understand what Isaiah was saying. Isaiah was saying there is something coming that's absolutely free that's going to turn the world right side up, even though it was upside down. Let me put this first point up. Sometimes the gift has an expiration date. Here's the only problem about this gift. It is a gift. It's free. But some gifts have an expiration date. Not every gift lasts forever and ever and ever. If I buy you, sister, if I give you a gift of two gallons of milk, you can't wait a year to drink it. It's not going to do you any good because milk has an expiration date. Now, if I bought you wine, you could wait because wine it, can, it gets better with time, but milk is not that way. So you've got to understand what kind of gift that you have. And what I need us to understand so we can tell the world, this gift doesn't last forever. It's a free gift. It's a great gift, but it does not last forever. In other words, this is a gift that requires a response. If Brother Steve, if if on Christmas morning I I set out a Harley that you like, and I got it wrapped in a bowl, and I put it on your porch, and you never get on it and turn the key and ride it, even though it was a great gift, it don't do you no good. Because in order for him to enjoy the gift, he has to access the gift. And what I need us to understand is the world is dying because they haven't accessed the gift. But what I want us to understand is it because we haven't accessed the gift ourselves. It, it, is it really that the world is cutting up or is it really that the church isn't on their job? I ain't talking to y'all because I know y'all on your job. So let me talk to online folk. Maybe y'all not on your job. 
So I'm reminded when we go to the next scripture, I'm reminded of one of the last things my father said before he passed when he preached from here. He made a statement. We're going to read the scripture first and then I'll say the statement that he made. But I understand it when I look at the gift because the gift has an expiration date. Let's look at verse 6 of Isaiah 55. We're going back to 55. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Wait, wait, wait. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Which suggests that he may not always be in a place where he's freely and available to be found. Bishop Mitchell said when he was closing, going toward his prayer on the last Sunday that he preached here, he said, deliver simple, seek God. Seek God. He would always say that. But it was interesting. One of the last commands he gave us was seek God. Here's the thing we have to grab is that God is available to be sought and it's free right now. But there's another day coming where you may not be able to grab him as available as he is right now. So seek him while he may be found. While you still can get the phone, get the Bible on your phone, you ought to read it. While you can still openly pray, you ought to pray. But you never know what's coming down the pipe. So I would behoove you to grab him while you can. If you can, while you can, seek him while he may be found. There's coming a time where he's not going to be available to be found. Now, what I believe is the church will be gone by then. But some of the folk in the church are not going to make that first trip. Because not everybody in the church is really the church. Some people are in the thing based on a routine, but there's no real relationship. It's just religion. But I promise you, if you miss it, you're going to remember my words. I'm telling you, don't you get left behind because you didn't grab him while he could be found. It's a free gift, but you need to access this thing. You, 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 you need to grab it. You, you need to be serious. Now, of course, I'm preaching to the choir because y'all here. Y'all here. Y'all make, y'all make your way to the house of God. But we all know church folk and saints that will tell you they say, but you see no fruit year in and year out. I don't want to be a fruitless Christian. I want to grab him while he may be found because in him and me, we should bear some fruit. If I'm in him and he's in me, something ought to be being produced out of my life consistently and the levels ought to go up. I shouldn't be the same Christian I was in 2017. 2022, there ought to be another level. When you hear me preach, there ought to be another anointing. Now, my son Dylan teases me all the time and every Sunday he says, well, dad, you're improving a little more. I'm like, get out of my face, Dylan. Get out of my face. But truth of the matter is I ought to be improving. I ought to be developing. I shouldn't be stuck on stupid forever because I'm seeking him while he may be found. And here's another thing that the scripture says. Call upon him while he is near. Which seems to suggest, Brother Tommy, he won't always be near. I don't want to get into a situation where God is no longer near. While he's near, I want to grab him while he can, while I can. All right, let's 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 move on. Let me put this point up. This will help us too. No matter how great the gift, it still has to be received. A rejected gift becomes a useless gift. Going back to the the example with Brother Steve and and the uh, the Harley Davidson, if he rejects the gift, it makes the gift useless. What it also does, it makes the giver look silly if the person rejects the gift. I'll tell you a story. And the reason why I can tell that it happened in the Deliverance Temple days, and the person has already apologized and asked me for forgiveness, so so, so I'll I'll talk about it. But years ago, I had a, a Cadillac Eldorado, and I was driving it, and there was a, a man that was a part of Deliverance Temple who had, uh, had fell on, on hard times a, a long time ago, and he was putting his life back together. And he said, man, when I was on the top, 
I used to have an Eldorado just like that. And then I heard God say, why don't you give it to him? I'm like, the devil is a liar. I ain't giving that brand my car. Well, God wasn't telling me to give it to him right then. But several months later, maybe, maybe a year or two later, we end up getting a second car, and so that made the Eldorado my third car. It was just me and Devin. I didn't need three cars. We didn't need three cars, and so God reminded me of what he had spoke to me before about giving this man my car. And I was like, man, you know what? I don't really need it any longer, and it would bless him because he has, I got three cars, he has zero. So how am I going to be a preacher, preacher, and I can't let go? So I gave him my Eldorado. About three months after I gave it to him, he had traded my Eldorado in for crack. And I'm thinking, now, God, why would you tell me to give the gift to somebody who wasn't going to do right? Well, God explained to me it wasn't about the present it was about my future. I've been driving Cadillacs ever since. See, God was, it wasn't about who I was giving it to. God was trying to open something to me. I've been driving Cadillacs ever since. But the reason why I bring it up, the point that I'm making is when he messed up the gift, it made me look like a dumb giver. Because everybody was like, why'd you give that fool? your car. I'm like, God told me nothing. God didn't tell you. It made me question. It made me look stupid because he messed up the gift. And I'm here to let you know God is the greatest giver. But are you making God look stupid? Because you keep jacking up the gift. Are you trading the gift for crack? What are you doing? Now, now, now God has restored this person. They've done well. They had apologized to me a hundred times. And I realized it really wasn't about them. God has been blessing me. Like I said, I've been driving Cadillacs. That's not the point. The point is when we reject the gift, it makes the gift useless, but also makes the giver look bad. If God is the giver of all givers and Jesus is the greatest gift and you have the gift, but you do nothing with the gift, you know, not only do you make yourself look bad, you make God. Make it look like, God, why do you keep trusting Andre? Why do you, but, 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 when you allow the gift to work in your life, you make the giver look like he knew what he was doing when he called you. When he chose me, God knew what he was doing. When God called me to preach, I thought God was crazy. But now I know God knew what he was doing because I've allowed the gift to work in my life. Oh, we've all been there where we've given somebody a gift. You know your kids on Christmas morning, you give them something by February, them toys. They can't find them toys. And next year you say, man, I ain't buying them all that stuff. And guess what you do next year? You buy it all over again. Because the love that you have, and that's the way God is for us. Even when we mess up the gift, he just does it all over again. Because he loves us that much. Let's look at verse 7, Isaiah 55 and 7. I got to keep moving. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Here's how we receive the gift. It's just letting God do his work in our lives because he will abundantly pardon. Let the wicked forsake his ways, the unrighteous man's thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. So guess what? You know what repentance means? It actually means to make a turn, a return. We need to consistently return to the Lord. I messed up. I'm returning to the Lord. I messed up. I return to the Lord. I messed up. I return to the Lord. Don't let anybody make fun of you because you keep returning to the Lord. At least you're returning to the Lord. I'm not returning to mess. I'm not returning to junk. I'm returning to the Lord because he's the giver of all gifts. And God's going to be pleased with my life. Come hell or high water, one way or another. What God has for me, it is for me. I'm going to be everything God said I'm going to be. I may have had to go through hard times to get there, but I'm not giving up. I'm returning to the Lord because this gift is too precious for me to reject it. 
and make it seem useless. Let's look at the next point I'm, I'm going to put up. It, it's simply that sometimes the gift requires a shift. Sometimes the gift, you need a shift for the gift. Now, be, before I go to the scripture, let, let me explain that. There are times for, let's, let, let's say, those of us who understand technology, when we buy our loved ones technology, sometimes they don't use it to its highest advantage. You have to help them shift. Now, I, I didn't mean to do this, but I'm, I'm going to talk about my mother just for a second. See, my, my, my mama, she, she would get technology stuff, but she'll call me. She's like, Andre, set my TV up. Andre do this, and I'd be like, Mama, you got to learn how to do some of this for yourself. In other words, for her to best enjoy the gift, I got to train her how to do it. So that takes a shift in her thinking because the old way it used to be done has now shifted. If, oh, how can I say, let's say the the, the air fries. The the other day I I put something in the air fryer because I never use it, and I burn up some stuff. Because I put it in there and it popped up on 20 minutes. So I just hit start and walked away and did something. When I came back, it was all burnt up. Because I hadn't had a shift in my thinking. This is not an oven. It's an air fryer. It's designed to do things quicker and better. So if you treat it like an oven, you're going to mess up some stuff. So when you get a new gift, sometimes you need a new shift to embrace the new gift. Having said that, let's put these two scriptures up. Isaiah 55 and 8. This is a shift that we have to understand. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Wow. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. All right. So when you receive the gift of God, his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Let's go back to the example. Why are you giving your El Dorado to somebody who who just been delivered two years from addiction? And next thing you know, he's messing it up. You see, what God was trying to get me into other Cadillacs. I didn't know that. I was just following him, but I had to shift in my mind because his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. It says, as high as the heavens are from the earth, when you get in the plane, they cruise at 30,000 feet in the air. So the third heaven, or I mean, not the third heaven, the first heaven is 30,000 feet higher than the earth. And God said, my ways are higher than that, higher than that, higher than outer space, higher than heaven. My ways are that far from the earth. It's so far. So guess what? You have to learn how to shift with him. Some of the stuff he says is not going to make sense. You know what, when you are struggling, let, let, let me use uh, Sister Teresa, for example, not to say that she's struggling, but anybody would understand why she would take two, three, four months off from church. Hey, she, she, she's gone through something tough. Sister Mitchell, oh, we would understand why she would take two, three, four months off from church. She she gone through something tough. Oh, Andre, we, we would understand why he would just say, listen, we're we going to chill. He, he, he's, he's lost some loved ones. We can understand why he would take some time off. But see, uh, your ways are not God's ways. And when you understand God's ways are higher than your ways, you don't do the normal thing. You, 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 you come back to the house of God when people say you should stay away because there's something here that you can't get everywhere else. Because I need to tap into his ways. I I need to tap into his thoughts. And and maybe you can go without him, but I can't go without him. I I can't do without him. So many people doubt him, but I can't live without him. That is why I love him so. He's so real to me. But I had to make the shift in my thinking in order to receive the gift. The gift requires a, a shift. Let's... Let's put this point up. God is the ultimate giver, and Jesus is the ultimate gift. Say that with me. Say, God is is the ultimate giver, and Jesus is the ultimate gift. If you don't get anything out of the message, that is the key to the message. God is the ultimate giver, and Jesus is the ultimate gift. 
So what I need you to understand, God has already given you the greatest gift. When I'm waiting on God to give me a man, maybe he'll give you a man, but you need to understand before he gives you the man, he already gave you the greatest gift. And if the man that comes don't know nothing about the greatest gift, you might as well let him go because he's going to mess some stuff up in your life because he's already given you the greatest gift because he's the ultimate giver. And before you were a twinkle in your great, great granddaddy's eye, God had already given given you the gift because he loved you just enough. Before you traveled down into an embryo and out the womb, God had already ordained a plan for your life because he's the greatest giver. He's the ultimate giver and he gave you the greatest ultimate gift, which is Jesus. Let's look at John 3.16 to Prove it. Read that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That is the gospel message. Don't, uh, don't ever let us forget that. Don't ever let us just get into the routine of having church. and It's just something that we do that we forget the gospel message that God so loved the world that he gave. All right, let me, let me put this up. Let's go back to John 4, 10. This is the, the third and final time we're going to go to this verse. Got three things underlined. Would you, would you read that? Jesus answered her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Basically, I'm saying the same thing Jesus said to her. If you knew the gift of God, your life would be tragically different if you knew the gift of God. Your life will be transformationally different if you knew the gift of God. You have the gift, but you don't know the gift. Let, let, let me say it this way. Have, have any of you ever had something and realized that you hadn't been using it to its full potential? It does something that you didn't know it could do. Even with our own, our phones, our cell phones, it'll do stuff that you didn't know it can do. And you wonder, how long did I not know it could do that? Because you didn't read the manual, because you just wanted to use the gift. But when you read the manual, you find out there's some stuff in there. I didn't know it could do that. Yeah. Speaking of Cadillac, like in my Cadillac, I remember the day I, I, I bought it. I remember I actually bought it December 26th. I, I picked it up on December 26th, 2018. And I remember asking them about a CD player. And they were like, no, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't come with a CD player. I was like, well, most people don't use those anyway. I was just, just asking. So four months later, I was in my glove compartment. And I was looking at this box that's in there that I thought had to do with the navigation system. So I got ready to do some of the navigation system, and I realized that the navigation system doesn't seem to have to work with this box that's in there. So I just grabbed a CD that I had, and I stuck it in that box, and it started playing. So the man who sold me the car didn't even know the potential that the car had because he hadn't studied the manual. And I believed him instead of reading the manual for myself. And I found out I had something I didn't know I had. And I'm here to let you know, saints, you got something you don't know you have. You got power you didn't know you have. You got ability you didn't know you have. You believe what somebody else told you, but I want you to find out for yourself. Jesus told the woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God. Yeah. We put up these three points. Here's something you need to understand. This gift can be known, number one. Number two, this gift often asks us to give. And number three, this gift gives back far beyond what we give. First thing, the gift can be known. I, I explained that to you. Number two, the gift often asks us to give because the first thing that Jesus did when he seen the woman at the well, he said, give me the drink. So he asked her to give him something. But here's something you have to understand. When the giver asks you to give, he's never trying to get something from you. He's only trying to get something to you. 
So the gift often asks us to give, and here's the, the final point. This gift gives back far beyond what we give. And I'm going to put this up. In other words, Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. He's the gift that doesn't just give on December 25th. He's the gift that just keeps on giving and giving and giving. Let's look at Acts 2.37. For the rest of the time, we're just going to be talking about the gift that keeps giving. Let's look at Acts 2.37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? One version says, what shall we do to be saved? Verse uh, eight, uh, 38-38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God sent the Son, the Son brought forgiveness, but the Son gives the Holy Spirit. So God gave the Son, the Son gave his life, but then the Son triggered that the Holy Spirit would come because the gift keeps on giving. It's not a one-time gift. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Let's, let's read more. Let's look at Ephesians 3.1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Well, wait a second, Pastor. That don't sound like a gift to me, a gift that makes you a prisoner. But let's continue to read. Let's look at uh, verse 7. Drop it down. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power. You mean that when I receive the gift of Jesus, I get the gift of the Holy Spirit? But Paul says, even if I'm assigned to something that I'm a prisoner to, I get the gift of God's grace. Wait a second. I get something that enables me to do whatever God's calling me to do. Some of y'all are scared to do what God is calling you to do because you don't know he will equip you for whatever he calls you for. Because when he gave you the gift of Jesus, he gave you everything you need and Jesus will give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will give you the gift of grace or the gift of anointing. You cannot lose. You cannot fail. That's why the Bible says no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper because I got all that I need when I got the gift that was Jesus because he was the gift that keeps on giving. Let's, let's look at verse 8. To me, Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Wait a second. The gift that he has is an unsearchable riches in this gift. And Paul said, really, I'm the least of all saints. And because he used to kill Christians, he said, if anybody should be excluded, it should be me. If anybody should miss out on the gift, it should be me. But God gave me a gift that enables me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. And now several thousand years later, I I'm preaching from the words of Paul who used to kill Christians. But once he got the gift that is Jesus, it turned his life all the way around. And I'm here to let you know your 2022 can be turned all the way around by one encounter with the gift that is Jesus. Verse 9. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things. Verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Wait, wait, wait. That means it's not just talking about Paul. But it says, Paul said, I was enabled so that I can equip the church. The church is who? That's us. That the manifold wisdom of God, that the world might know the gift, and God's going to use us so the world can know the gift. You mean messed up, jacked up us? Yes, because we got the gift. I got the power. Yeah, yeah, you. You got it because when you received the gift, you received it. Everything you need to be an ambassador ambassador for Jesus Christ. Read verses 11 and 12. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has 
realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, all the way back to the gift, which is Jesus. Verse 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Oh, oh, hold on. You, you, you mean in 2022, I don't have to put my head down? I got boldness and access and confidence through my faith in him? Oh, shoot, shoot. You, you're looking at the wrong one, baby. I, I, I found out who I was when I got a hold of the gift that is Jesus. I'm stepping in the new year. I'm stepping strong. I'm I walking tall. I'm walking big. I know who I am, and I know whose I am. I know who I belong to. I got the gift. I got the power. I got the grace. I got the anointing. I got the joy. I got the gift. The gift. The gift. I got this thing. I got it like the Bible say. I got I got this thing. And I ain't waiting to Sunday morning to show off what I got. I'm going to take a selfie and tell folk what I got. I got God down on the inside. See, when I take a picture of my suit, they think I'm showing off my suit. I'm showing off the God that's behind the suit. I got the power. I got the anointing. I got the grace. I got the peace. I got the joy because I got the gift of all gifts from the giver of all givers. Here's the last final point. Jesus, the best gift ever. If I was a singer, I would say Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. These last two verses, it's the same verse in two different verses. I'll read this uh, myself. 2 Corinthians 9.15. This is the way the Bible says it. Says, I believe this is the English Standard Version. The first says, thank, no, this is the new the NIV. Says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now here's what it says in the New Living Translation. We'll put this up and this is where we're close. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for Deliver something. I want you to understand what you really, really have. Now, if you haven't received this, you don't have what I'm talking about. And at the end of the service, you can receive this. But I want you to understand you have something that is that words cannot describe. That's why one person said, if I had 10,000 tongues, I couldn't even tell everybody what I really, 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 really have. I got the gift of all Come on, let's stand to our feet. And somebody say to me, say, the gift. Say, God, I thank you for the gift that was your son. And God, I thank you that the gift your son sent, which was the Holy Spirit. And God, I thank you for the gifts the Holy Spirit works in my life and it all came because of you the giver sending the gift come on let's put our hands together this morning all right let's bat our heads and pray dear gracious heavenly father god as we move into this season of gift giving let us not forget the gift that you gave and this gift is a gift that consistently keeps on giving. And God, thank you. Help us to walk in the fullness of the gift that you've given us, God. And the gifts that come forth out of having relationship with you. And God, let us signal to a dying world, we have the answer. And it's in the form of an absolutely free gift. And we thank you for it. Father God, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice, both, both in the building as well as online, that does not know you in the pardon of you, their sins, that does not know this hope that we're talking about and this gift that I'm preaching. God, I pray that they would just say these simple words. Father God, I receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And I, today, I make him my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm going to have them put Merry Christmas up. I just want to make sure to tell you all Merry Christmas. I will probably not see you until 
after Christmas. So Merry Christmas to you. We love you so much. The gift that God has given you is so precious. Amen.